Hi, I'm Tefer Ajamian. I'm Caddy Diop. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah. So for January, we've been talking about personal faves. Last week, Hannah brought the delightful red, white, and royal blue to the table. Oh, yes. This week, I'm taking a slightly different tack with a a favorite from high school, a book I've read many times, which I would classify as slightly more of a problematic fave, but one I love very much, Mm. and this is Rachel Cohn's Gingerbread. (laughs) Gingerbread is actually the first of three books, and in this rereading, it was interesting to me to realize that I had no idea where the narrative ended. Oh. in this one I like okay. they've just kind of run into one story in my brain yeah. so that was kind of fun and Caddy's here I'm here happy new year listeners I'm happy to I'm happy to be back yeah it's yeah. nice to have you back oh thanks oh thanks yeah I don't know where that came from <laughs> do you have good holidays I had a great holiday good I did uh, I caught the flu so I had to sleep and that was okay good yeah I caught up on Shira and the princesses of power nice it was awesome it's a good one whoop whoop well anyway I'm feeling like ever so slightly embarrassed coming back to this book just kind of the way you do when you like see photos of yourself in high school yeah 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 um so I checked this book out of the library for 24 hours because this is a quick read um and I really as much as uh, I had been forewarned that it might be a problematic fave I got it. I got why you enjoyed it. Good. Um, Do you want to give the listeners just a little summary? I'm so glad. I'm so glad you liked it because I feel like in the past, we've not always had this track record. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So Gingerbread came out in, I believe, 2001, 2002. it was Rachel Cohn's debut novel, which I find so interesting because she's such a big author now. Yes. Uh, this was her very first one. And the the reason I love this book, and I do still love this book, I, I stand by that despite it being extremely dated to 2002, is because all of the ways that this character fails, I feel, are addressed. Yeah. And... That actually continues through the series. Oh, that's great. So, like, the the second and third books, they deal a lot more with her sort of ingrained uh, casual racism that she has and some of her cultural appropriation that she has. Mm-hmm. And I do really feel like these books are, are an ongoing engagement with privilege, which uh, is yes. done really well, yeah. I think. So Gingerbread is about Sid Charisse. She is a 16-year-old girl who lives in San Francisco with her egregiously wealthy parents, her mother and her stepfather, but he's been in her life since she was tiny. Um, (laughs) Speaking of tiny, there's the baby. (laughs) Um, Sid Charisse, you know, like many 16-year-olds, hates her mother for sort of some unspecified reason and, you know, is fascinated with the idea of her biological father, who she has met once when she was five and who lives in New York. Um, But also, she had an abortion in the last year, and she hasn't told anybody. She's very much somebody who does things on her own, 
and she got pregnant and her crummy boyfriend bailed on her and she just kind of took care of things herself. When I was a teenager, I really loved Sid Charisse because she's a teenager who does kind of mess around and, you know, hook up and gets horny and does drugs and whatever. She embraces her sexuality, yeah. Yeah, and she just is who she is and it's okay. And I like that she addresses things like, you know, on TV when a teenager has sex, she either like gets an STD or gets pregnant. Yep. And like, sure, I got pregnant, but like, it didn't stop me from mm-hmm. having sex. I just am very careful now. So as a teenager, I loved it also because, you know, she's a goth and I wished I was a goth, but I wasn't quite brave enough. Same uh, yeah. confession moment. I also sort of associated, I think I was I was very mentally and emotionally goth, mm-hmm. um, but the aesthetic, uh, nope. I just, I liked the aesthetic, but I just knew my parents would give me the hardest time about it. Yeah, I, I, it just didn't make sense to me. And then um, people took it too far. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if I can tell the difference between a goth and a skinhead at Mm. times. And I was like, oh, this bodes poorly for my black ass. So I was like, meh, I guess I will wear dark colors and... uh, just deal with that but I never did I know I was never brave enough to like do very dark eye makeup which I yeah. really regret today because um, those are skills that could have come in handy you know it's never too years. late Caddy. that's true that's true uh, I have been learning through YouTube oh nice mm-hmm. yeah I never I didn't do the dark eye makeup really I did I always did like a tight line with just a coal liner um but I didn't wear lipstick until I was in my twenties. Well, nobody really wore lipstick. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't it wasn't super a thing when I was we, a teenager. We, we we came of age in the lip gloss. Yeah, and, uh, lots of sparkles. And um, I and I went to a school with a uniform, oh. so I didn't. I did wear like fishnets and stripy tights and stuff until yeah. my school was like, you can't wear fishnets anymore. Um, Anyway, so I just associate, I, I, I felt that. I felt that aesthetic. Yeah. She was rebellious in a way I wished I could be. And I mean, coming back to it as an adult, why I like it is I just feel she's a very real and sympathetic portrayal of a teenager. I couldn't agree more. I think that's really what I uh, dug about this story is... I related to Sid a whole lot. I was like, oh, uh, where was this book when I was 16 or 17? Like, just this, I think the independent aspect and, uh, you know, someone who maybe pushes people away uh, as a defense mechanism in order to guarantee a certain self-preservation, that really speaks to me. And it's, it's you know, <laughs> these are my own personality traits and my own shortcomings even in the second half of my 30s so (laughs) let's be real I like that Um, I want to see that in books Um, but also yeah there's uh, I also like the fact uh, that they touched on abortion because I find that you know it's a topic we don't it's a topic we're so afraid of for so many reasons. And um, I hadn't realized that Rachel Cohn actually, um, you know, had written Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which is um, a story that I love. 
and a story that de-dramatizes a lot of stuff as well. So, um, yeah, I guess, uh, Rachel Cohn, you have a new um, a new fan. I think if if you liked Gingerbread, you will like the two follow-up books, Shrimp Sweet. and Cupcake, because I'm rereading Shrimp now because I got to the end of this and I was like, <laughs> where's the rest of my story? Um, so in Gingerbread, Sid Charisse stays out all night at her boyfriend's house without telling her parents where she is. She has done this before without them finding out. Um, but this time they find out yes. and kind of have a moment of our relationship is not great right now. Maybe we all need a little bit of space. You have always wanted to go visit your biological father. He actually really wants to see you. So you're going to go to New York for the summer. It's something you want. She's excited about it. It's not a punishment. It's just that everybody needs a little break. I mean, please. Any 16-year-old in the world, I don't care who you are or what you believe, but if you are offered... That 16th summer, the opportunity to go live in a place like New York, you are saying, yeah, to that. Like, I mean, there's something so satisfying about that. It's like, we are not getting along. It wasn't a narrative of like, you're a problem, which I really like as well. So there's very much this like mature decision making happening because, you know, we tend to see a lot of parents who suck. And, you know, to be able to come to that decision of like, hey, let's let's take a minute and breathe and go enjoy New York and discover the East Coast and then come back to us and everything will be a bit easier and we'll have had a bit of time. And I like that narrative. I don't know. It speaks to me and it's something that I wish someone had done to me. Yeah. You know, like, hey, punk teen. Here, go go have life experiences yeah. over there. Although that was, I guess that was uh, summer camps for me. Right. Day camps. Yeah, Working, yeah. getting a job and doing that thing and becoming responsible and all that. So I guess it's pretty comparable, mm-hmm. but just not on a New York backdrop. It really is an impressive choice for her parents mm-hmm. because the background with her parents, her mother had her when she was 19, I think. And she was in New York being a model, met this much older guy who had an affair with her and she got pregnant and he uh, basically kind of threw money at the issue and and was like, well, I'm not going to be involved because I have a wife and a family, but like, you know, I'll provide for you financially. Um, And then Sid, who is uh, Sid's (laughs) stepfather, spelled differently, basically went to kind of make sure that that uh, Nancy, who is Sid's mother, is okay, and they fall in love and get married. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Sid Charisse's relationship to her parents' relationship because I, I love that she's constantly just like, well, they're married, but they don't love each other. Yes. And like... But I don't know about I you, think but they do they, yeah, they, to- they <laughs> yeah, totally do. They're they, a loving family. They are a loving family, yeah. but I think that that shows also Sid's immaturity, right? Oh, yeah. Like, Sid's a pop. Like, she just... She's so immature. She's such a child. Yeah, and that's also part of what I love about her. Like, I think, you know, we, f- we fall into, especially, like, whenever there's any, like, romantic narrative, because, I mean, don't get me wrong, this book is cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, there is something really okay about accepting that 
you know, as a teen, you're like you kind of do gag a little bit when you see your parents make out and I mean it's you know as an adult you can think back on it and be like oh how beautiful and blah 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 but there's this expectation that's put on youth that they have to have all of this maturity before any of us ever have like I think I you know I'm older and comfortable with my lack of maturity yeah. and I think that, <laughs> you know um, I love I love some immature content because it also reminds me of those days of, of, of being so naive and believing that things can only look a certain way and before we discover all the shades of gray. Yeah. I like that she has so many adults looking out for her. Mm-hmm. That there's there's such a richness of character mm-hmm. in this book. Sid is Sid Teresa is both very childish and also in some ways like very impressive and very self-reliant and independent really loving to her little siblings I love that part of the relationship she and her mom fight like cats and dogs but obviously adore each other and like can stick up for each other when they need to I feel like you just yeah. You just described most adolescences. Yeah. Mo- most adolescences is, is um, but no, but I mean, it's relatable. Yeah. And that's, that's so important, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we can have all of this, like, magical realism and all that, but it's nice when there's a hint of recognition yeah. of, you know, the every person's story. Um, and, you know, heck like you're 16 developmentally you're at the stage where you're you know trying to distance yourself from your parents because you don't want to become them but at the same time they're the biggest influence in your life so the fights that you have with them are generally externalized versions of the fights that you're having within yourself and you know and 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 it's beautiful to showcase those things everyone's so afraid of these like you know this 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 fear of teens yeah right and their brooding behavior and their quest for independence i mean we all go through it it's it's part of our brain becoming adult brains it's part of our bodies becoming adult bodies so there is something really really you know valuable in sharing the story of like yep we fight like cats and dogs but i love my mom mm-hmm. you know and like i can be a pest but i know that these little ones are looking up to me and yeah. you know and and there's nuance and it's okay for a character to showcase immaturity while also being able to make very mature decisions like the fact that you know Sid is a character who made the decision um you know to end a pregnancy and and made that decision for herself I think that that's it's important to showcase that you can't just live in one of those spheres right developmentally we're becoming adults which means we're learning how to own our mistakes we're not learning how to make no mistakes Mm -hmm. so yeah I I really did find her to be an incredibly cool character like I might borrow the sequels from you I don't have the sequels I don't yeah I want to have them they're books I should just order the library might yeah probably yeah yeah, uh, I I read. I'm reading it now on Scribd, uh, which is an ebook app that I have. There's a moment going back to what you were just saying. There's a moment right at the end of this, and I do want to go back and and get into the journey and the middle because there's a lot in the middle. Yep. that's real good. But right at the end, her mom is in New York to kind of surprise her and see her before she heads home, and uh, she has seen her schmucky ex, 
and <laughs> just had a, a breakdown because all of the stuff came back and her mom she and her mom have this just really wonderful conversation where her mom shows up for her and Sid is really surprised that her mom showed up for her and it's a a really beautiful moment in their relationship Um, and you get that reminder that her mom has also been a teenager with an unexpected pregnancy and a schmecky ex and um, (laughs) commonly referred to as bio dad yeah bio dad I love that and you know her mom is explaining that when she decided to have Sid Charisse, she she realized she was trying to give her up for adoption and she realized she was insisting on giving her this unique name so she would always be able to find her. And that was what told her, like, no, we need to stay together and we need to be a family. And Sid Charisse says, we don't always get along, but I'm glad you're my mom. I wouldn't want anybody else but you. Mm-hmm. And her mom says that means more to me than anything you could say. And that just, like especially as a parent on this reread I think I haven't read it since I became a parent Mm. that resonated just so deeply there's these little details in the parenting Mm -hmm. that just kind of hit me more this time through absolutely that makes perfect sense and I mean it's such a beautiful line and it's it's funny because you just hearing you read it I went like oh I miss my mom I should give her a call like it, it, it is true there is that little magic that shows maturity mm-hmm. also right mm-hmm. it's it's I mean it's the end of the book it's 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 you know we're, we're wrapping things up nicely and all that so it kind of turns into this beautiful you know like hey I actually have evolved you know like the 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 teen has become an older teen yeah. <laughs> oh and then and then we have sequels and we have and then we the have whole cycle start and, again and but, that's yeah. it but at the same time it's a really good reminder that like that's sort of also how how life works yeah right we we i don't know about you but i know i've struggled a lot in my in my like emerging adults years and trying to figure out like why I didn't have everything figured out and I was like oh everyone's got it together until the day I I learned that oh everyone does not have it together and what a beautiful lesson that is but it's a lesson you have to come to yourself like it's you can't even it's not even like you can turn around and tell all the youths everywhere and be like you know all these adults are making it up as they go along or following you know old rules that they don't they're not even 100 percent sure they understand no it, it, it's something you have to come to on your own it's part of becoming an adult so it's nice to see and the fact that it starts over well that's nice because and that's the way life is too yeah yeah okay so we've talked about the beginning and the setup and we've talked about the yeah. end but the kind of driving force in this book is um, Sid Charisse has all these kind of expectations about how things are going to go. And the book is just a process of all of those expectations getting turned on their heads. So, like, first of all, she, she well, first of all, she has a boyfriend named Shrimp. Shrimp. Who, they, <laughs> they, they haven't really been together that long. But um, Sid Charisse has this tendency, which is another thing I related to so hard as a teenager and still do, to just get wrapped up in a person, to just kind of glom onto a partner and get wrapped up in them and be 
their partner and she acknowledges this she's aware of this tendency but where she is at the beginning of the book is kind of but shrimp is a good person so it's okay like the trick is that you find the good person and you lose your identity in the good person (laughs) um Uh, that's a knowing laugh uh (laughs) more than anything (laughs) let's just note that yeah uh the relationship i'm currently in which we started dating when i was like 27 is the first relationship that I've been like, maybe I need to challenge this part of myself. So, you know, it takes a while. Yeah. And I mean, we've spoken about the importance of cheese. And I think that, you know, it. she almost made me think of, uh, so Citrice almost made me think of Bella Swan for a minute. Because um, I was like, you know, when you read Twilight and Bella starts talking about Edward and you're like, oh boy, oh boy. She is so in love, right? Like, it's the same thing here. And I love that. Like, I love reading that because it makes me feel less alone. I'm a big dum-dum who falls, you know, head over heels in love. And it is nice to see that, like, oh, yeah, it's true. This is how this is how we first experience love. Like, it's it's supposed to be big and complicated and, and kind of slimy and you know weighs you down a little bit and it makes everything else pale in comparison and then as you develop as your own person then you're able to challenge that a little bit more without having the sense of losing the love Mm -hmm. but that's also like I mean Sidgerese comes from a family where like although her parents are not together her mom and her stepdad are great parents and she seems to have like you know good attachment uh, styles and like an ability to like make decisions for herself which comes from the fact that you know she's been surrounded by love and care Mm -hmm. she is certainly not a victim of abuse oh no Her, (laughs) her family life is really good honestly I mean they 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 argue and her mom clearly has some of her own shit and actually in the later books her mom actually starts to work on herself and it's really 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 nice and I'm just like I love her and I want that for her. But the the sort of everything kind of goes pow when Sid Charisse is talking with her boyfriend of like three months and said something about them being together forever. And he's like, uh, 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 and she's like, what, you don't think we're going to be together forever? And he's like, uh, uh, we're 16. <laughs> um, and, and she's just completely crushed um, because that's her whole expectation for her life she doesn't want to go to college all she wants to do is just be with shrimp all the time and um (laughs) and he is just kind of like like he's an artist and a surfer and he's kind of like I don't know I want to travel the world I mean again believable 16 year old boy (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) um and she just is so crushed completely overreacts hears about a friend he has like hears that he has a friend who is a girl and loses her mind and assumes he's cheating on her because he has a friend who's a girl and and like goes home and is like fine let's go to new york i'm going to new york (laughs) and then leaves um (laughs) I, i really I should have not read the book and just waited for you to tell me all these stories. I love it. It sounds like an episode of the OC or something. 
Um, and then throughout the rest of the book, she has these people. She has Sugar Pie, who is her best friend, who is an old woman who lives in a retirement home. Because yes. Therese is edgier than anybody. And, um, but also Sugar Pie is wonderful. And I could talk about her for a long what time. What a great character. Love her. What a great character. Love her. Yeah. And then her, her uh, big half-brother who she meets in New York, who is, again, wonderful, but not at all what she expected. She just keeps meeting these people who, who are talking to people and they're all kind of like, so did you, did you talk to him? Did you like, did you maybe investigate who this friend is apart from a friend who is a girl who you hadn't heard about before? Uh, uh, no, did <laughs> no, you, I did not. Did, did you guys actually break up or did you just storm out? Yes, yes, I stormed out. Fly across the world, <laughs> across the country. Um, and she also gets to have the experience of hooking up with somebody who she's not, like, soul connected to. I like him. <laughs> I like him. He's hot. There's a hot boy in this book. There is a hot boy in this yeah. book. Who can uh, get it? <sighs> who can literarily get it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, there's lots of good food and so she she goes to New York and she has all these expectations about what what she calls her bio fam is gonna be like her dad she's looked up her siblings in like some book about her dad who's a he's like a Don Draper oh my god yes oh who and she goes out there and discovers a her her bio dad Frank lives in a like penthouse apartment downtown and not in, you know, the bucolic mansion with a golden retriever, she imagined. <laughs> and He's New York rich. He's yeah. not San Francisco rich, is what we love. And, uh, and her big brother is wonderful and a wonderful surprise for her and is gay, which she was kind of imagining this, like, football jock, and he's really is family. I mean, he's a, he's a baker and his partner is a... a cook and they have a cafe and she is just in heaven with them a cafe that is called java the hut no java the hut no, is shrimp's it, older brothers it's shrimp's older brothers oh, yeah damn. their cafe is the village idiot oh thank you i yeah. knew there was a funny thing there i have read this book so many yeah, times I, I can see that <laughs> but, but let's talk about the importance of cafes uh, for oh, a second this is another thing that i related to hard in this yep. book as a teenager i love coffee yes and i i have loved coffee same. I started drinking it at 11 on purpose because I thought it would make me really cool. Um, so I actually eased myself into it. I didn't like it. So I started drinking like Starbucks drinks. I started with the white mocha at Starbucks, <laughs> which is the least coffee drink. And then I just gradually increased the like coffee flavor until I was hooked and liked it. Yes. But cafes as the third place, you know, were were so important to me as a teenager. I I had a really difficult relationship with my family in high school, and I, I went to a Christian private school, and it just wasn't a good fit for me. And after school, I would go to a cafe, and I would have some coffee, and I would do my homework, or I would sketch or something. Mm. And it was so important for me as a teenager to have that space. Um, teens can't go to bars, you know? Like, there's not that many social places you can go when you're a teenager, but you can go to a cafe and you can feel kind of cool and sophisticated. And, and the early aughts were peak cafe 
time. I miss it. It was great. You could just go and sit with your friends and drink these very sweet drinks with lots of whipped cream on top and you know brood and it was the perfect place to be a teenager like i you know hanging out in parks is great but we have six months of winter so no um you know and it was nice to be able to to be to feel grown up right it was one of those places yeah. I, I felt the same way we had a coffee shop not far from well not far from where we are now which is not far from where i grew up and you know Walking up to Second Cup was like my act of independence. And, you know, 14, 15 year old me was very much like, you know, very, very sheltered uh, by my overprotective parents. But those were my moments of tasting adulthood, sitting with friends in a coffee shop and talking about stuff, having actual conversations. And it was so meaningful because obviously when you're that age and, and you're hanging out with folks, their friendships matter more than the friendships you have as adults sometimes. But they're so intense and, and it, everything is so revolutionary. Every time someone brings a new idea, you're just like, oh, my God, are you changing my world? I loved it. Yeah. And people who worked in coffee shops, oh, my God, in the early 2000s, they all look like Dawson and Pacey. There was a barista at my cafe that I went to, 1369 in Cambridge. Love it. Shout out. I still go there whenever I make it to Boston. Um, but there was a barista there who looked like Kurt Cobain. And I mean, he played it up. But like, yeah. Caddy's dumbstruck. Very serious face. <laughs> because Kurt Cobain and his ghost on the get it list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big time. But when I think about that, I always regret because there was like definitely a guy who worked there who was my age who like definitely was picking up what I was putting down. And I was just I was just so like absorbed in this like 25 year old Kurt Cobain lookalike that I never like gave this beautiful guy who was actually legally, you know, available to me. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he was also like kind of a schmuck because like they all are at like 17, 18 yes. for the most part. But but they're schmucks that we love and beautiful, yeah. very beautiful. Not yeah. well, some. Well, this one was. Yeah, some, Just some, saying. some. Um, yeah. So cafe, cafe. Also, another important space in adolescence for me, the video store. I miss that era. I, I miss the video store that. era. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, like bumming four bucks off of my mom to walk up to our neighborhood video store and, oh boy, having like hour-long conversations about film. Not movies. Film. And wanting to really like deepen my awareness of art, mm-hmm. um, of the moving arts. <laughs> and it was just so... Oh, so cheesy, but it was so fun. And oh, my God, I fell in love with so many people in video stores. And, you know, it was just such an important part of socializing. You bump into your friends and you're comparing and and you want to make like you want to show to prove to yourself almost that you're like out of the kids section, Mm -hmm. you know, and that you're like. Although in the early 2000s, there were like a lot of teen movies. Um, but yeah, also like that combination of like, am I going to do the cruel intentions thing or am I going to go for an 
independent film. Cruel Intentions, though. Cruel Intentions yeah. is great. You're, I, I said I missed the video store you're at, uh, but I didn't. I'm now, you're, you're bringing so, back so many memories. And what I remember was seeing 13. Oh, boy. On the shelf, which I never watched because I could not have. My mother did not let me watch. Um, oh, it's, it was like some rom-com with Matthew McConaughey and Drew Barrymore, and she didn't let me watch it because he took off his shirt in the first, like, ten minutes. But um, Matthew McConaughey has an, a contractual obligation to remove his shirt in most films. Wait, I'm going through my list of Matthew McConaughey films. A he Time to Kill, Lincoln, he doesn't. The Lincoln advertisements that he's that's true. But he's driving a powerful car. Um, ooh, Dazed and Confused. No, he just goes, all right, all right, all right. And those pink jeans. Oh, yum. Um, no, it's, yeah, that came later. Fair. Um, but, yeah, I remember kind of going to get probably Shakespeare in Love again. And, um, and like, just always looking at 13 and being like, is today the day I sneak this home? I've never seen it. <laughs> I used to, um, I used to, <laughs> this is very embarrassing. Um, dear listeners, uh, we're getting vulnerable here. Um, I used to um, get my revenge on my older brother by renting movies that he would hate. Uh, my brother's six years older than I am. And so my parents would go uh, away for the weekend uh, to our cottage and I'd stay in town with my brother. Super fun, you know, parties. I'd be like, I can live like I'm in a, an apartment, which is a really weird thing to do when you're 16 or 17 but whatever I loved it and uh whenever my brother would piss me off I'd rent movies called all men are liars (laughs) (laughs) I love that and things like that and he would show up and just be like what'd you rent and then he'd just throw things at me (laughs) because he'd be like are you trying to prove a point and uh yep 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 all the oh man Feminist movies of the late 90s. Yeah. I used to enjoy that. The Truth About Cats and Dogs. I, 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 oh, I felt a strong kinship to Janine Garofalo. <laughs> I think she was my, uh, yeah, she was my, my teen icon. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, the early 2000s. So this book is nostalgic yeah. <laughs> in a big way. Big and we, we have to wrap up, and I could just... As you can probably tell, I could go through this chapter by chapter and just give a synopsis of each one. Do you want to talk about why it's problematic (sighs) quickly? Well, I mean, yeah. Sid Charisse is a very wealthy white girl (laughs) who thinks that she has it real hard and as a result never thinks about anybody outside of her experience and does like a hell of a lot of cultural appropriation because it is 2002 and uh yeah basically that yep yep (laughs) so and and i think it's important to note that like i think you know we're reading it with 2020 goggles um and yeah yeah tougher um so we're reading it with 2020 goggles uh but at the same time i think that there's there's a real attempt you know to transcend a little bit that like sex in the city l word kind of representation of female characters that was happening in that time and trying to make it a bit more um yeah trying to make it a bit more mature a bit more realistic a bit more human also and definitely a lot more relatable um you know 
But when you're aware of the privilege, you read it and you go like, okay, this is superfluous. Like you're just, yeah. you, can, you can be quiet now. <laughs> I, I will say, I think Rachel Cohn, uh, now I haven't re- reread the sequels in a little while, um, but I know she introduces more characters of color who start to kind of call Sidgeri some things and, and does kind of dismantle that, uh, d- does some work to dismantle that later. The third book came out like much later. Okay. Um, but it's there. Um, one thing I like actually though is that her little sister is chubby and her mom is always trying to like get her to diet and stuff and Sid Charisse just like sticks up for her and is mm-hmm. like, nope, she's sick. She shouldn't be on a diet and like sneaks her food and calls out her mom and it's really nice. It is really <laughs> I like nice. that. It's it l- listen, um I went into this sort of hesitantly um and can tell you it is a super fun book. Um, um, it's definitely a comfort read. Yeah. Um, you know, a half day yeah. kind of situation. It's really great. Uh, don't hesitate to grab this book. Don't. Yeah. I had two copies of this book for a long time <laughs> because I was like at a thrift store or something and found it and was like, I can't remember if I have a copy of this. <laughs> uh, I think I gave it away, though. Well, there you go. But yeah, good book, fun book. Um, I'm glad. I'm so glad you liked it. I did. I was really worried. I did. But then, just I, you but wait. then when I finished it, I was like, no, I think Caddy will like this. I totally liked yeah. it. Um, there was no misery porn. There was no. Yeah, the, am I right? <laughs> I think that like, ah, uh, it's nice and light. Yeah, <laughs> like it's uncomplicated and it's fun to have a light book that engages with abortion. Oh yeah, I really like that about it. Big time. Um, and engages with sexual autonomy and uh, yeah, preach. So it's good. Pick it up. Pick up the sequels. They're really fun too. Between the three of them, you have like a day's reading. So. There you go and give Rachel Cohn some love. Yeah, she sure cool. Mm-hmm. She cool. All right, thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave us feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or if you just want to say hi, please say hi. Uh, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Yeah Podcast. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been following and engaging. Our Twitter has been getting a lot more fun lately. Whoop, whoop. And individually, I'm at Teffer Bear. And I'm at Caddy Double underscore D. Um, if you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon, exclamation mark. Um, you can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Resch, Erica Stutchbury, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, and Matt Dever. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at TeePublic. You can you, you can use you, you can use you. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. And by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who just needs a light pick-me-up. Someone who's like got some seasonal affect. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefra Jemian and edited by Tom Zalat and I as part of the Great the Great Upford Network. I've renamed the network. And it is Re-brand. the Great Upford <laughs> Network. You can find out about all the great shows on the network at upfordnetwork.com.
We need to record a new ad for Up for Discussion. What should we tell people? Tell them we're an emotionally honest comedy podcast. Great! What does that mean? It means we're not afraid to get vulnerable, explore the human side of comedy, and try to become better people along the way. And we make poop jokes. So many poop jokes! With tons of awesome guests like Hank Green, Carrie Poppy, and Cecil Baldwin. Yeah, and poop jokes! The Up for Discussion podcast, available on the Upford Network and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Hey, I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. We take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams, but with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey, Don, what do you think of changing on the fly? Not the left-wing pinkle media, bleeding hearts, guys. What are you, nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at changingonthefly.wordpress.com.